Welcome to Mastering Midlife with Heidi. I'm Heidi, certified hypnotist and mindset coach, and in this podcast, I'm breaking down my secret code for midlife success. Are you trying to overcome people-pleasing behaviors, navigating divorce, living in debilitating self-doubt, or something else keeping you stuck? You're in the right place. I know that you're ready to get to the next level of your life feeling happy and fulfilled, so let's get started. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mastering Midlife with Heidi. I appreciate you listening, and if you get something from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or two to help me reach more people. Today, I'm sharing a personal story that I haven't gone into much detail here before. I haven't shared it partially because it's another area, like being fired from my job, that I had some shame around what happened and who I realized I had become. If you want to hear that other story, listen to episode 26, how getting fired from my job was one of the best gifts ever. It's been one of the most listened to episodes. The story I'm sharing today is about how devastating people-pleasing can be to your life, as I discovered through a toxic relationship. Do you sometimes rationalize negative behavior and convince yourself that it's not as serious as it seems or that the other person really didn't mean it? Or maybe even that you deserved it? Do you walk on eggshells in order to not upset someone? Do you find yourself constantly morphing yourself to match other people's feelings and opinions on what they want or need, not necessarily because you're being nice, but because you're scared not to? Have you been told you're too much, you're too sensitive, or you're imagining things, and you start questioning whether it's true, and worse yet, you start to believe it? If so, you're not alone. In this episode, I'll be sharing my personal journey of how I found myself in an emotionally and mentally abusive relationship with a man I had married just months before. I was suddenly overlooking all kinds of crazy behavior and accusations from him, wondering how someone as nice as me ended up in a situation like this. I'll share with you what I discovered I was doing that attracted this toxic relationship into my life and the steps I took to recover and heal after it was over. If you've ever wondered how your people-pleasing tendencies affect your relationships or attract certain people into your life, stay tuned. I'll be providing insights on what I discovered was creating this in my life and how I broke free from this devastating pattern. And I'll give you specifics about the five steps I took to heal and what things I did to make me actually now repel toxic people. Whether you're currently in a similar situation or seeking to support someone who is, my hope is that hearing my story will offer you guidance and encouragement for reclaiming your self-worth and rebuilding a healthier future. Before I go on, I want to make clear that I am not a doctor or a therapist. The information I'm sharing here is based on my own experience with a narcissist, and the steps I took to recover. And also to be clear, I no longer throw the term narcissist around lightly. Do we all have an ego that can get out of hand at times and do things to get attention? Yes, of course. What I'm referring to here, though, is my experience with a narcissistic personality and how a people pleaser becomes a target for this type of personality. Phew, that's a lot already, right? Let's dive in. Before I talk about how I attracted this toxic person into my life, let's talk a bit about people-pleasing 
and where it comes from. People-pleasing is actually a behavior that usually originates from childhood beliefs that run deep. Beliefs that you weren't good enough, you needed to be perfect to be liked, or that you might be rejected if you did something wrong. You most likely weren't conscious of these beliefs, but they were running in the background. And these beliefs led to behaviors of putting everyone else before you, of trying to make everyone happy. These behaviors became the way you operated. They became habits. And then we grow into adults and continued on with these same behaviors because they were what helped us cope and fit in when we were younger. Until maybe one day you recognize a pattern. You may not even realize where the pattern is coming from. You just feel the frustration of living the same thing over and over again. Maybe it's a different face and a different name, but the pattern is still the same. This was me. It was in this third marriage that I recognized I was the common denominator. I was the only thing that was in common with every single one of my relationships. So what was it in me that was creating this pattern? People-pleasers put others' wants and needs ahead of their own. They sacrifice their own time and energy almost without fail, even when they're exhausted themselves. They go out of their way to be liked and accepted. They do crazy things to keep others happy. They avoid conflict in order to not rock the boat. These behaviors make people-pleasers extremely vulnerable. I'll tell you how we make ourselves vulnerable after a quick shout-out from our sponsor. Oh, wait, that's me. Do you feel like you've lived your whole life for others and now you don't know the real you? Does it seem like your wants and needs don't matter, like you're not important? If you're saying yes, I hear you, I see you, and I've created something just for you. It's called Me First, and it's a community where you'll learn to prioritize your needs and desires, gain confidence and a strong sense of who you are, say no without guilt, and create a life that feels good in your heart without concern of judgment from others. As a member of the Me First community, you'll be among like-minded women all on a journey of self-discovery, and you'll find understanding, friendship, and unwavering support. You'll have guidance through expert-led discussions, guest speakers, and personal coaching. Plus, you'll build a toolkit of resources to help you conquer people-pleasing, critical self-talk, shame, resentment, and more, so that you have the freedom to prioritize yourself and live life by your parameters. Join the Me First community at a 20% discount by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. The program link is in the episode description. It's time to prioritize yourself and truly believe that you are important too. Now back to the episode. Welcome back. As I was saying, people-pleasing behaviors, like going to great lengths to keep others happy, are what makes people-pleasers extremely vulnerable. Toxic people are individuals who display manipulative, controlling, and abusive behaviors in their relationships, and they play on this vulnerability because they know they can get their way. They feed off the energy that this control gives them. They seek out people-pleasers because the people-pleaser is more vulnerable to their tactics and more likely to comply with their erratic, inconsistent, and controlling behavior. The empathy and vulnerability of a people-pleasing codependent has been described as the food supply for a narcissist. In Shahida Arabi's book called Becoming the Narcissist Nightmare, 
She says that narcissists do not choose us because we are like them. They choose us because we are the light to their darkness. She continues on to say, We exhibit the gorgeous traits of empathy, compassion, emotional intelligence, and authentic confidence that their fragile egotism and false mask could never achieve. I know from my own experience that my empathy and compassion caused me to overlook and accept extremely harmful and manipulative behaviors. Let me be clear. I now know that attracting or not seeing these harmful traits in others has nothing to do with intelligence, success, strength, beauty, brilliance, none of those things. I beat myself up for quite some time because I couldn't figure out how I could be so stupid to not see it. But not seeing it actually has a lot to do with empathy and vulnerability, not intelligence or common sense. The vulnerability that comes from the past and that causes pliable or no boundaries and low self-esteem, it had nothing to do with my intelligence, confidence, or strength. Here are some typical behaviors of people-pleasers that make them a target for a toxic person. I had all of these behaviors and know that each one contributed to me ending up in more than one toxic relationship. At the time, I couldn't figure out how someone so nice like me could end up in these types of situations. And note that toxic relationships don't apply only to romantic relationships. The first one is, I put others' needs before my own. I was taught that others come first, so it was natural to accept others' opinions or wants above my own. What was confusing for me was why someone who cared for me would treat me so poorly. I didn't understand at the time that just because I wouldn't act in a certain way doesn't mean everyone else has that same barometer. The next thing was I had difficulty saying no, even when I didn't want to do something. My fear was disappointing someone, and I was certain that saying no would result in that. So I avoided that discomfort at all costs, causing me to say yes even when I knew it would be best to say no. Toxic people love knowing they won't be disobeyed. Fear of conflict. I learned to be a peacekeeper, not rock the boat, and maintain positive relationships, even if that meant biting my tongue and not speaking my mind. I would ignore the fact that commitments weren't kept, justifying by telling myself, he'll do it tomorrow, or I misunderstood. Not speaking up allows the toxic person to get away with manipulative behavior to control the people pleaser. The fourth area is need for approval. I wanted to be liked and accepted, and I allowed myself to be controlled through flattery and gifts because I saw these things as forms of love. This is called love bombing, when words and objects are used to put the other person up on a pedestal and make the person feel special and loved. It's a form of control. And the last area is lack of boundaries. Because I wanted to keep other people happy and deeply feared disappointing someone, I had a difficult time setting and enforcing boundaries. I thought someone who cared for me would not take advantage of me, so I didn't think boundaries should even be necessary. But a toxic person typically has no boundaries of their own and has a very strong sense of entitlement, making it easy for them to violate another person's boundaries or take advantage of someone with none. 
The relationship in 2017 that turned emotionally and mentally abusive just weeks after we were married is where my self-discovery journey really started. And when he left on New Year's Day 2018, my real work began. I started on a journey of learning about being the common denominator and then doing everything I could to heal and recover from what I had created. So this information is from the research and therapy I did to heal, as well as my own experience of living through it. This experience is not about the other person, what that person was doing or not doing. It's all about me and what I was accepting, tolerating, and willing to put up with, and what was causing me to continue to accept and tolerate it, no matter who was dishing out the behavior and words. As people-pleasers, usually we don't even realize that we don't have to operate this way, and we don't see what it's doing to our self-worth and value. We don't realize the costs of not speaking our truth, thinking everyone is as kind and honest as we are, thinking if we're being disrespected, we must deserve it, or the cost of not wanting to be the bad guy. My beliefs about myself didn't allow me to see that not everyone operates from the same principles as I did, and therefore I continued to tolerate harmful behavior. My people-pleasing also caused me to look outside myself for approval and acceptance and behave in ways to try and avoid rejection. I am so grateful for having that pivotal moment of realizing that I was the common denominator, and you know the beauty of that? If I was the common denominator, then that meant there was something in me that was creating what I'll call the problem. And if that's true, then I believe there was also something in me that could create the solution. Let me be clear, I'm not excusing his harmful behavior, and I'm also not taking the blame for it. I'm saying that I'm owning the parts I'm responsible for, and I went to work on healing that. And here's what I did to protect and start rebuilding myself. This was a journey of healing and recovery from both this relationship and from people-pleasing. One of the first things I did that was huge and hard, and that was to go no contact with him. This means no communication. I struggled with this at first because of my empathy and compassion. It felt wrong or mean to set this strong of a boundary of having no communication. But those guilty feelings were coming completely from that people-pleasing part of me. Going no contact for me was an initial way to break this pattern. Discontinuing communication in all forms with someone who is exploiting or abusing you, even if it's not physical, is imperative to your recovery and mental well-being. There is absolutely zero benefit to staying in touch with the other person and I had to resolve myself to not give in to his tricks, cajoling, and harassment. No contact is not a game where we're playing hard to get to try and win the person back. But believe me, our minds, the other person, and even our friends can try to convince us that we're making too big of a deal out of it, that it wasn't that bad. But here's another reason why no contact is so important. In a toxic relationship like this, there is a chemical reaction that takes place in our bodies and brains that actually gets us addicted to the other person. Going no contact is necessary to break that bond. 
If there's a reason you can't go completely no contact, then implement the gray rock method instead. Look up gray rock if you want to know more. I also joined Codependence Anonymous. It's a free program and it helped me immensely start to see the part I played in this relationship and all of my relationships, not just romantic ones. I had a huge breakthrough in CODA, realizing it wasn't my behaviors that were the biggest problem. It was the beliefs I had about myself that were the issue. Our beliefs are what drive our behaviors. So until we look at our beliefs, our behaviors will not change long term. Once I recognized and acknowledged the self-sabotaging and harmful beliefs I had about myself and had carried for most of my life, I was able to start shifting and healing them. The third thing I did was I developed radical self-care. This looked like amping up my yoga practice again, something I had given up for him in an attempt to calm his fears of how I was spending my time. I also took myself on a retreat to Bali, where I had an epiphany that came from being scared to cross a very busy street. The realization was that I didn't feel seen and that I had spent most of my life feeling that way. This belief was driving me to act in unhealthy ways to get attention and acceptance. The fourth thing I did was I learned boundary-setting skills. I took classes, workshops, and read a lot about boundaries, and then I implemented what I learned. Most of us were not taught how to set boundaries, and in fact, many of us were taught that it was wrong to say no or to speak up for ourselves. Now I know that my boundaries are not about the other person. They're about me. What's okay and not okay with me? I have the right to speak up, ask for what I need or want, and say no or yes without explanation or guilt. I have the right to choose what's best for me. The fifth instrumental action I took was I created a network of supportive people, including a trauma therapist, the CODA group, and other people healing themselves. Within this, I also repaired damaged relationships, like the one with my mom. I had allowed myself to get isolated during the marriage, and some of my relationships had suffered because of it. One of the best things I got out of this network of amazing people was the knowledge I wasn't alone. This person was not the first toxic person I had attracted into my life, but it was by far the most devastating and diminishing of all relationships I had been in. And you know what? I'm extremely grateful for it. I know that sounds weird, but without that relationship, I may not have had the push to break free from the people-pleasing that was keeping me chained to a life that was not my own, one where I was trying to keep everyone happy at my own expense. None of this episode is condoning another person's behavior. It's all about taking responsibility for ourselves and what's best for each one of us. It's about not taking the blame for someone else's actions, but also about not playing the victim to them either. Again, this has absolutely nothing to do with the other person, their behavior, their words, or their actions. It's 100% about me and my own attitudes, beliefs, and decisions. Understanding this helped me take responsibility for myself and my choices regarding Not just this relationship, but all the relationships in my life. In the last six years since that relationship ended, I have found self-acceptance, 
a deep respect and compassion for myself, and I've learned how to validate and fully see myself, leading to amazing inner peace. If this resonates with you and you are dealing with something similar, I encourage you to reach out to a professional for advice and guidance. You can schedule a free clarity call with me for more information and help if that feels like a fit. I'm happy to direct you to resources that would best support you. My calendar link is in the episode description. Make sure you're following the show because in the next episode, I'll be talking about what causes us to not speak our truth, the costs of not speaking up, and if we've lived a life of people-pleasing, how to discover our truth hidden amongst all the guilt, shame, and resentment that came from denying ourselves in order to prioritize everyone else's happiness. I'll close with this quote that I've used in other episodes but is so fitting for all the times, like the story I shared in this episode, when we abandon ourselves to please another person. This quote was written by Anna Quinlan. I read and walked for miles at night along the beach, searching endlessly for someone wonderful who would step out of the darkness and change my life. It never crossed my mind that that person could be me. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you for spending time with me today. To continue on your journey of mastering midlife, click the link in the description to download my free guide, 20 Ways to Say No Without Feeling Guilty. See you in the next episode.